Thanks to the U.S. Soy and the United Soybean Board for the sustainable makeover of our podcast studio and for sparking discussions on greener Hollywood production. Just like notes in a song, sustainable living is just a series of small, eco-friendly choices that contribute to the melody. Check out the Tears for Fears episode of One Song and see behind-the-scenes clips of how they pulled the whole look together. It's all on at Heartbeat Audio on YouTube, and the link is in our show notes. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. I'm director, actor, writer, and sometimes DJ Diallo Riddle. And I'm producer, DJ, and songwriter, Luxury. And this is One Song, the show where we deconstruct and celebrate some of your favorite songs from the past 60 years in music history and tell you why it deserves one more listen. That's right. Luxury, my friend, how have you been? I have been so good. It's been a really big, packed week full of... Full of stuff. But the biggest thing has been preparing for this show. I'm so excited to talk about the song we're talking about today. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Should we start the show? I think we just, just get right Let's into it. it. Let's, Let's do it. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. Today on One Song, we're talking about the 2014 hit Uptown Funk by producer Mark Ronson featuring Bruno Mars. Don't believe me, just watch. Uptown Funk was huge. It won the Record of the Year Grammy, beating out artists like Taylor Swift and The Weeknd. It broke records worldwide. The song was everywhere, including that one place no song wants to be, inside the courtroom. Too true. Despite legal issues, Uptown Funk was certified 11 times platinum. 11 times! 11. 11 This (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Yin Yang Twins. This episode, we'll take a look at the history behind the song, as well as examine how the song was made. Uptown Funk uses interpolation to create a throwback track that somehow sounds brand new. Luxury, for those folks at home who may not know, what is interpolation? You know, it's funny you should ask me of all people. Interpolation, something that I like to talk about, it is Mm -hmm. um, similar but different from sampling. Now, in sampling, what you do is you take the record, you take an actual piece of the recording, and then you reuse it in your song. With interpolation, you're taking the musical idea, so just the melody, for example, and you're replaying it. Mm. You're coming up with maybe new lyrics and using a melody, but it's not the recording. So interpolation, sampling different things. And in this song, there's no sampling, but there is a little bit of a lot of interpolation. Yeah, I mean, like, as a, as a layman, I always thought that, like, interpolation was essentially replaying the part of the song. You and might, that's but, right. That's right. But you actually talk a lot about this very subject on TikTok and Instagram. It's true. TikTok and Instagram. I have a bunch of little little videos where um, talk about songs from the perspective of their creation. And every now and then, if there's an interpolation, I'll say something a little bit like this. Interpolation. That's right. I'm the guy who whispers interpolation. Well, listen, that's all good because Uptown Funk, one would argue, is a veritable interpapalooza. Like, there's so much interpolation going on. <laughs> I love that word. You in just this, make that uh, up? Yeah, That's well, brilliant. It's, I'm going to definitely start my music fest called Interpapalooza. Uh, <laughs> can I get in on that? I want to be a part of that, too. Absolutely. And right, Perry Farrell can get in on it, too, so he doesn't yeah. sue me. Um, 
luxury. Did I ever tell you about the very first time I played Uptown Funk when I was DJing no. at Sky Bar in West Hollywood? No, I don't know the story. Okay, so here's the deal. I was DJing West Hollywood, popular club area for those not in Los Angeles. And I was playing a lot of spots like, you know, Sky Bar and Boulevard 3. Oh, yeah. Like the party scene in the middle of the last decade, it was all about the bottle service. Like a lot of these clubs didn't even have dance floors. They just had couches, you know, in front of tables. And you were basically like, you know, you'd go there. Drake would be there. Chris Brown. You know, you'd go to these places, no dance floors. And, and you just basically went to be seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there was The bottle service is very like a high roller dancing. kind of thing. Is that what it, it is? Was, yeah. It was like a 600% markup on yeah, a right, right, bottle right. of Grey Goose. Right, right. You know, shout out to Grey Goose. I hope they're one of our sponsors in the future. Uh, there was also like a shift in music happening at the time. And, you know, EDM was like sort of like the driving force of pop by this point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yet here comes this weirdo song. You know, that doesn't really sound like anything else on the radio. Right. And I Throwback. feel like in that time since, whether it's Bruno or Dua Lipa, like there's definitely been sort of this type of pop music yeah, that is very sort of like disco and funk driven. And I feel like this this song, you one could argue, was like an opening salvo, along with, ironically, the, 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 the godfathers of EDM, uh, Get Lucky by uh, Dad Punk. Also, not yep. your typical sound for an edm group also sort of driving this uh yeah it's funny to think back sound. that at the time it was kind of like not risky risky but there was something to take a chance on going back to it that was sound a risky song it's easy yeah. to forget now and i'm telling you when uptown funk hit the scene it changed everything <laughs> The hit 2014 single, Uptown Funk, from Mark's fourth studio album, Uptown Special, topped the charts in 19 countries wow. and sat on the Billboard Hot 100 for 14 weeks. It was inescapable, wow. I mean, one could not avoid this song. Mm -hmm. But it was the perfect song kind of to bring a crowd together, like the perfect song to play at a wedding. Yeah, right. Or like at a party where nobody really knows anybody. Right. <laughs> like, you know. Or like... Are, are you on the dance floor dancing with a stranger? Even kids' birthday party, like it was, it was everywhere. Kids' birthday parties, yeah. like there's actually like, I, I, if I remember correctly, there's like one swear in it. But as long as you were ready to, you know, mute that one swear, you were good to go. Luxury, what was going on in your life when Uptown Funk was getting the crowds going? I had just been in LA. I had just moved here, and I had just spent the, a chapter where I was basically a co-writer. So what I was signed to a publishing deal, and I was in a room every day with a stranger trying to write a hit song. Like, literally, my job was to write from scratch with somebody I never met before. So oh, wow. it was a really fun job, but it was also, like, when you meet someone for the first time and you're in a room and both of your publishers are like, can you guys write a hit song? Or Britney, Britney needs a new song or J-Lo needs a new song. We were kind of, and I think this is something not everybody knows exists, there is this kind of, like, screenwriters for movies. There are pop writers for pop songs, and I was in that world. So what usually happens in one of these co-writes is you sit down, you kind of vibe, get to know each other. How you doing? Nice to meet you. What are you listening to? Is almost invariably one of the first things. And so you'll go online and you'll kind of bring up some tracks that are like you're, you're grooving to. Maybe it's something new. Maybe it's something old. But the main thing is that I don't think I ever had out of my 200, 300 writing sessions, I don't think I ever had one that didn't begin with, hey, let's listen to music. Let's vibe oh, on wow. something. Let's That's get into cool. a feel. Like what, what are we both feeling right now? So a lot of times there'll be discoveries that come out of it, like, oh, I never heard that before. Or sometimes you link up and you're like, 
you know what? I'm really feeling that 1979 funk moment. <laughs> and I have a feeling that that may have been the origin of this song. It's my speculation not having been in the room, but I have a sense that that may have been what Ronson and Mars well, were my, feeling. My at understanding the time. is that the song actually began when they would do sort of like a mic check um, before the show. Right. Oh, really? Live? There was a very early version of like, like sort jamming. of like a, a jam, yeah, a yeah. funk jam that, that uh, actually Bruno's band, I believe would play like during the show right. and that eventually like they brought Mark in and they would do like 82 takes yeah. or something like that and eventually come up with the song that we all know today. That's absolutely what happened. I mean, I've heard Ronson tell the story and, and they were jamming in the studio. It was uh, actually Bruno Mars was jamming on the drums, playing drums. He's oh, quite wow. a yeah, drummer apparently. Drummer, yeah. uh, Ronson was playing bass for the sake of the jam session and they had uh, Jeff Basker, who's a, a huge songwriter on, in his own right, was playing keyboards. So you're right. They started out and they had this jam and they had this groove going. But apparently it kept taking months and months and months to get to the next step. So they, <laughs> they really loved the core of the idea. But then one of them would go on tour. They'd, fi- they'd meet up in another city and kind of they'd bring it back. They'd be in Vancouver. They'd be in That's Toronto. Right. That's right. They'd bring it back. They'd be like, this song, there's something to this. Let's bring it back and try to finish it. It took months. It took many studios. But they finally got to the it took conclusion. Many studios. It took many writers. I think the songwriting credits for this song are like... Mark Ronson, Bruno Mars, Jeff Basker, who right. you just mentioned. I think he was like on Kanye's 808 and uh, Heartbreaks. Uh, Philip Lawrence, I think, One got of the a credit. Yeah, he's a Smeezington with, with, uh, with Bruno, the writing team. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, like, I've even heard, like, you know, this random bass player contributed, you know, something like this, but then yeah. they, they paid him out or something like that. But it's, it's, it's definitely a collaborative thing. Right, right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we can talk about that when we yeah. get into the stems, which, you know what? We're about to do that. We're Let's about to peel back the, the onion. <laughs> I don't think and these, these aren't really out there. So I'm kind of excited to play these maybe for the first time for people's ears. Oh, man, y- y'all stuff. are hearing first time ever. Yeah. <laughs> World premiere. <laughs> All right, let's get into the stems. Like I said, Bruno Mars was actually in the jam session of the writing of the song, Play Drums. And from what I understand, he's on the track too. So let's listen to him. And you can kind of hear in there. Yeah, in the wait, mix, I love right? Bruno Mars. I think I could play that. I think I could play that. <laughs> There's nothing complicated, but that's kind no. of, that's the genre. That, that, I, that's think that, I think whenever you hear people say like, oh, Ringo was not that great a drummer, but you're like, Sometimes the drummer's job is to both keep the time, but also not get in the way of everything else that's happening out there. And that's part of the genre, like Gap Band, that sort of 1979 version of funk, the sort of post-James Brown, like syncopated funky drummer, like ghost notes on the snare. This is just like boom, <laughs> cat. All you need is that backbeat on the two and that four. That snare boom, actually cat. sounded like a, a drum machine snare to me. So what I hear in that as well, and so this is pretty common um, in production in general, you're going to layer things. It's not just going to be that one drum track. With drums, unlike guitars, you can't really have two tracks of drums on top of each mm-hmm. other. But what you can do, and what I think we both heard, was there's that clap in the background. Mm. And there's like a reverse clap that goes into it. I'll play it again. There's that clap. And there's that reverse yeah, yeah, right. Which will always remind me of Billie Jean. I feel like totally. there must be that sound in Billie Jean. Uh, those are just those are added in in production later on. Mm-hmm. Those are just layers of probably sampled claps. Might even literally be an 808 clap that was added on top mm. on top of Bruno's funk beat there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's the drums. What 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 is the bass doing? Let's listen to the bass. So this is on bass. Even though Ronson uh, apparently. In the jam session that led to the song being written, played bass. On the recording, he's not playing bass. He left that to one of the pros. In this case, it's Jamario Artis. So here he is, funking it up. Mm-hmm. 
I want to say is, if his name is Jamario, <laughs> trust him. Oh, yeah. Trust oh, yeah. him. He you knows to. how to funk it up. Absolutely. And of course, what you're hearing there don't is... Try, don't try to spell his name, but be like, <laughs> brother, you can play the bass. And of course, what he's doing there is mirroring this. <laughs> Which they left in the song, right? They, that is the beginning of the song. Yep, you know, absolutely. People don't use like... The fact that Wap Babaloo Bamba Wap Bam Boom was Little Richard trying to tell the drummer what he wanted to start the song with. No way. And that's, then, awesome. then that's the story behind that. that. But then somebody was like, why don't we just use your voice saying that? Wap Babaloo Again, the yeah. human voice does some amazing things. Right, and right. Yeah, trying to explain to Jamario how he wanted the bass to sound. They're like, hey, let's just leave this in song. So all I'm saying is if you're that. describing to a musician what you want to hear. Yeah. Think about using your description as the opening of your song. It might lead to platinum records. That reminds me of the exact opposite end of the spectrum genre-wise, but the Christina Aguilera song, Beautiful, where it starts with her saying, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Apparently that's really her in the studio saying, please don't wow. look at me. It's such a vulnerable lyric. So, oh, wow, that's yeah. I love it when they leave stuff like yeah, that in. Absolutely. So now let's hear that together with Bruno's beat so you can hear how it locks together. Okay, can I say something about that? <laughs> please, and please. I think this speaks to why this song worked so song. well when it came out. So we had been from probably like 2009 till 2014 inundated with all these, whether it was Gangnam Style, what the Fox says, like the EDM was everywhere, what the right? Fox says, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I almost forgot and, that one. And it was almost like Ronson and Bruno were like, yo, we're going to take music from the you know, late 70s and early 80s, but we're going to constructed in an EDM way like that drum thing is yeah. just like right. LMFAO when they do like it's like the cheesiest EDM comes in with a big drop nailing it you're right and that is exactly what they do there they right. do the and the and the the notes on the bass are going up 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 and then everything cuts out and in true EDM style they're like where's the drop like it just comes in with like an EDM style so it's almost like they were just, and, and even from a production point of view, like we were talking earlier, a lot of the funk, the actual funk that they were inspired by, you know, some of it sounds like Dusty and like, you know, right. people used to master stuff differently. I think Tom Coyne is the guy who did the mastering on this. Like, okay. he's got it very clean. He's got all the parts very right. cleanly nice and separated. And that's a very sort of, you know, 2014 club forward way of mastering a song. So it gives right. you the best of the old with what was currently popping. That's right. And it brings it into the present. And you're, you're totally, totally on point with that, with making the connection with EDM. In 1979, before the, even production <laughs> methods had been invented to do full on drops, like it was far less common yes. that you would have like a big buildup and a big You might've gotten clowned right. out of the studio in 1981 for doing that, <laughs> for that drum buildup. But like then, you know, in 2014, like they were like, right. yo, this is going And it brings it, it brings it up to date too. It brings it, makes it more modern. Absolutely. And also, what I love about it, I'm gonna I'm gonna play that bass isolated because it just makes me laugh. It's just funny. Don't give it to you, cause I'm telling don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. Do you hear that dow? Like that genuine that sounds like pony. Mark Ronson like on a vocoder. Yeah. I think it's a talk box. Yeah, talk box. I think it might be kind of um kind of an homage to the like Roger. zap Roger yeah, Troutman yeah, Roger zap Troutman, thing. Absolutely. Totally California love. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. like before there was auto tune, you'd 
put a wire in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you put that cord in your mouth and you do it that way. Yeah. In just a few minutes, we're going to get into sort of the implications for this song of what those references and borrowings can lead to. But you have to remember contextually, it's kind of relevant to say that they did that, I think, fully throated with love in their hearts, being like, yeah, this is an homage. Well, you this say is a love reference. In your, love in their hearts. I mean, like, devil's advocate, so we can address sort of the elephant in the room. You could. Maybe it's love in their hearts. Maybe they were just like, Haha, we're going to sneak off with some of this stuff. Like, I know for a fact you have some guitar parts from some other songs from the period that sound yeah. really, really similar. Well, I'm about to play them for you, and let's see what we think. Uh, we're just going to really quickly play a game for the guitar. I want you to identify what you hear. I'm going to play you a little snippet. Okay. Tell me what song you think this is. Are you ready? Here we go. Okay. Right, here we go. Here we go. It's real, real short. It's like, right. Can you name that tune in three notes kind of All thing? Right. All right, here we go. That, that is not Uptown Funk. Mm, isn't it? Maybe it is. What about this one? I mean, that's <laughs> that, a short that one, snippet. Definitely not Uptown Funk. Okay. That, right. that, oh, one, that one's clear. What about this one? No, that one I actually know. That's more bounce to the ounce. What about this one? No, that's not Uptown Funk, but that sounds like a song that could have influenced Uptown Funk. You know, I just played you four different songs playing the same riff, essentially. Mm -hmm. That guitar, chink-a-chink, chink-a-chink. And the first one was, in fact, Uptown Funk. I'll play it again. This is Uptown Funk. Okay. The second one, you want to give it another, I'll give you another chance to guess. Okay. I think you know this one. I'll play it one more time. It's a short snippet, I you know. You know what's crazy is I, I hear enough fuzz on, like, the snare that I know that that is not Uptown Funk. It is not and Uptown Funk. And it's an funk. earlier song. I don't know. Play it again. Mm. <laughs> mm, I don't I don't know the song. Okay, well that one's collage, young girls. Oh, collage. You know collage 83. Wow, that that's 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 definitely a throwback. That's definitely a throwback. Great group. If you like throwbacks, you might even like this one. Okay, I know that that's that's Zap. That's 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 uh, Trauma. We were just talking yeah. about him. That's that's the guy who does the, the talk box. That's yep. more about you nailed it. All right. By the a way, I'm plus, sensing a theme a here. You think? Yes. Is there a little bit of a connection? I'll give you one more. By the way, that sounds incredible. Yeah, it's that so sounds good, right? really good. That's a 40 year old so song. It's it so good. Once again, you don't have to throw. I think sometimes people just overproduce their songs. You don't need much. You, you know, know what, what I mean? happened in the like late seventies, early eighties? We got recording technology down. There really haven't been that many improvements since then. It, it sounded good forty years ago. Sounds good now. Well, who who was that last guitar by? That was Sky Call Me by oh, the I band love, Sky. I love yeah, Sky. Yeah. And you're right. They all have a similar. They literally are playing the same riff in the yeah. same rhythm on the same instrument because it's a genre thing. It's a trope of the genre, just mm -hmm. to be pretentious and musicological about it, which just means that if you're playing a funk song, you're already narrowing it down to a certain kind of tempo, a certain yeah. groove, a certain sort of instrumentation. Within that, you're going to have new melodies, hopefully, and lyrics, but a lot of the things like the lack of chord changes, and if you have chord changes, they're likely to be the one to the four, maybe to the five. Like, well, yeah, not to get too into the weeds, I feel yeah. like James Brown said funk is all driven by the one, yeah. so you probably have something heavy bass-wise happening on the one beat, and then what else is left? You need something on a high end, because you need low and high. Right. Something on the high end happening on the guitar yep. that's sort of syncopated. And it seems like all of these songs have that. But in, in, and in the moment that the songs came out, I think it was understood that these were funk songs and the DJs yeah. would play one into the next. There wasn't really any sense of like, hey, I already played that guitar riff. You can't play. <laughs> now, of course, there where that line is, is, is really tricky and not easily found. But in this case, 
my my presumption about the Uptown Funk writing session was, this is a guitar riff that's a funk riff. Not it's a guitar riff that belongs to anybody, to any one band. Mm. Because they'd very likely heard it in all the sources we just played. And I think that's true across the board as we get back totally. into listening to these stems. And then there's also this other guitar riff that Ronson played interchanging with the other one. And it sounds like this. Does that remind you of anything? Is that... Wait, play again. Yes, that does. What is that? It sounds a dun, little dun, to dun, me. Dun, 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 dun. I'll tell you what it sounds like a little bit to me, and you, you tell me if you uh, agree. Oh, yeah. Big time. It's a yeah. little bit of that I mean, like, look, bad. we're not... They didn't take it, but like, yes, 100%. It's another trope that the of the genre. That's James Brown, super bad. Yo, that's so dope. Like... How does that make you feel like when you're listening to this and then you figure out what that connection? I mean, that's part of what I James is. That's part of what I just love about music in general and being a fan, a maker of music, a mm -hmm. DJ, and now a radio podcast talker about music. Like <laughs> all of it to me is related because it's about the lineage and the storytelling and the shared history. To me, it's exciting to hear something where I'm like, oh, that reminds me of this other thing. And music is a cultural phenomenon. It does, it's not isolated. It's something that we right. share as a culture. And when you hear something, it reminds you of something else. Yeah. And then you talk to somebody and they bring up a third song. And Absolutely. that excitement that you all have about loving all the music. Yeah, and you want to just go out there and share it with somebody. I feel like that's a lot of what good DJs do is like they'll hear one note or one thing. And then it's like, oh, snap, I'm going to make sure the next time I DJ, I'm going to blend those totally. two things in together. So everybody dancing on the dance floor is like also like, oh, yo, I never realized there was a con there was a connection. That's it. That's it. Two. And the feeling of sharing, I think, goes for whether you're a fan that becomes a DJ and then a DJ that becomes a maker of music. Mm -hmm. It's the same tr chain of events in the in the in the brain of yeah. excitement. Like I like this. I want to show it to people. I want to remix it. I want to cover it. I want to interpolate <laughs> it. I want to sample it. All of it is because it. I want to grab it. I want to be a part of what this sounds right. like to me. What the feeling it gives me is the emotion it, it brings into my feelings. I love it. We're going to go even deeper on Uptown Funk right after the short break. Thanks to the U.S. Soy and the United Soybean Board for the sustainable makeover of our podcast studio and for sparking discussions on greener Hollywood production. Just like notes in a song, sustainable living is just a series of small, eco-friendly choices that contribute to the melody. Check out the Tears for Fears episode of One Song and see behind-the-scenes clips of how they pulled the whole look together. It's all on At Heartbeat Audio on YouTube, and the link is in our show notes. Want to make Mom's Day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Welcome back to One Song. Before the break, we were talking about Uptown Funk. 
Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars's neo-funk track that gets everyone from your grandparents, if they're still alive, to children on the dance floor. And if they're not, may they rest in peace. Yeah, we yeah, love yeah. them. Talking about your grandparents, not your children. That's a very dark place to go, guys. <laughs> but bringing it back to interpolation. <laughs> yes. Um, this song Much is happier a, subject. We have so many great words to describe. We have interpalooza fest. Wait, yes. sorry, interpapalooza. How do you say that interpapalooza. word? Interpapalooza. Interpapa. The papa, it kind of trips me up. But interpapalooza. You, you ain't got to say it. I've already copywritten it. It's a masterclass in interpolation. It's also a masterclass in homage and reference. A lot going on here, which is a shout out to the songs that these guys loved. Mm. All right, so we've heard the instruments. Let's get into the vocals. Girl, said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. Come on. Oh my god, there's a there's a party in the studio. The girl sent you hallelujah. I just love hearing that isolated. It's like funny. Absolutely. You know, in the case of Uptown Funk, we have basically writers interpolating a lot of popular songs from the past but they also brought in this very popular hook that was not too distant in the past when this song came out and i just i do want to point out that like i read where the record label liked this interpolation so much that they actually pushed mark and the guys really hard to name the song just watch oh no way they pushed them very hard and and mark even says like you know, this song did not come together overnight, obviously. There were a lot of sessions. There was a lot of work that went into it. Um, but because there was nothing else on the radio that sounded like it was recorded in 1981, he was like, I had to make sure everything else was absolutely dialed in and perfect and contemporary with what was happening on radio at that time. So adding in a popular hook from Trinidad James seemed to be the missing ingredient. My man, can you play us a snippet of this? Yeah, let's play what you're talking about. Here, that's this part right here, I think. Don't believe me, just watch. Uh, don't believe me, just watch. Uh, don't believe me, just watch. Don't believe me, just watch. You know, it's really funny that you point out that I never thought about, but like, there's no reason why the song shouldn't be called Don't Believe Me, Just Watch. That's that's, <laughs> that's the chorus. That's the hook. That's or as the a refrain. person who works in TV, I'm like, damn it, why did I never come up with a song called Just Watch? But it's just so funny. Sometimes you'll be listening to a song and not notice the disconnect between what it's called, the title of the song, and the fact that Uptown Funk <laughs> is just something they kind of say in the, in the pre-chorus. But the hook <laughs> of the song is Don't Believe Me, Just Watch. I never noticed that before. That's hysterical. Uptown Funk uses, with permission, the hook from rapper Trinidad James's 2012 single, All Gold Everything, which I would love to play you a clip. Take me back 11 years. That's about all you can play from that song. Uh, With your parents around, I'll never forget the unfortunate, you know, Caucasian grandmother who was... (laughs) Caught on t- on probably Vine doing that chorus. But, you know, here's some fun facts. This, this is, first off, Trinidad J. Shout out to Trinidad J. I always thought he was from Atlanta. Apparently, he's from Trinidad. It makes so much sense. It never occurred to it's right me. right there in the title. The Trinidad James was from, I, I didn't think he was Double from, you know, <laughs> from Dominica. But still, <laughs> it's amazing to me that that never occurred to me. He was signed to Def Jam Recordings. Uh, it was a platinum single. Uh, I don't even know how many more platinum singles the man has. I do know that uh, Females Beware was an absolute hit, kind of slept on uh, from Trinidad. And in 2015, this is a fun fact, in 2015, it was reported that James earned over $150,000 in royalties for just the use of the interpolation of his hook. I, I props to that 150 grand, that's a nice check. Yeah, yeah. yeah you'd already <laughs> written the song too. This is for just sitting there it's while just, somebody else yo, used that's, it. Yo, that is passive income yeah. 
if I've ever heard. And that of was it. for one year. There have been eight years or so since then. So multiply yes. that. Multiply yes. that. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Here's what's interesting. Um, Bruno and his band, sort of typical, like the Roots do this too, like when they're in between songs yeah. of their own, they'll interpolate and bring in songs and choruses and lyrics from other... 100%. And, and at that time, the whole Don't Believe Me, Just Watch was something that Bruno was doing during his concerts. Yeah. And, he, and he saw the reaction that it would get from people. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, yeah. I can tell you from personal experience, you step in front of the microphone to, to sing, to come up with the top line. Usually yeah. you start, especially in modern day music sure. making, start with the music. And then it comes time, all right, we need some vocals to this. Yeah. When you step up for the first time, a lot of songwriters use melody first with just phonemes, like da ba dee ba doo like yeah. scatting almost, exactly. looking for a lyric, but yeah. starting with a melody. And a lot of times if you do that, for something, it starts to stick, and yes. it's difficult to find the new one. Yeah, it's hard to move away from it. Yeah, I will say it sounds like this is actually an example of a touring band because you know this is Bruno Mars, him and the him and the hooligans and his band. Like they they tour almost all year if they're not just doing a Vegas residency. And it seems almost like this is a this is a case of them having sort of audience tested something. Yeah, that he was like, oh, it'd be cool if we could throw this into the song. That's so interesting. I, you might be right about that. That's so cool. Diallo, are you a fan of the Gap Band? Uh. Gap Band, are you talking about the uh, 70s Wilson, and 80s uh-huh. funk group uh, whose name is actually, actually an acronym for Greenwood, Archer, and Pine? What? Band? This is new information. I that band? Yeah, I, I guess I know. Okay. Well, apparently you're a Gap Band. <laughs> you got some deep I'm cuts. I'm a Gap Fan. You're a Gap is Fan. Is the way I would, I would put it. Yeah. You know, shout out to, you know, Party Train. Not, not to be, you know, if, you ever, if you've ever been to Venice Beach, in Los Angeles, you have not oh been to God. Venice Beach until you've seen their that video, video for so Party sick. Train. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that you're a big fan of the Gap Band. I yeah, did. For I'm that. sure you brought it up because of Uptown Funk. There are some reasons that are related to Uptown Funk, and, and let's get into them because they're kind of interesting. So I'm going to play you a little bit of Uptown Funk, and then I'm going to play you a little Gap Band. Tell me what okay. you think. Uptown Funk, you up. Uptown Funk, you up. All right, everybody knows that part, right? Yeah. Have you ever heard this before? Oops, upside your head. Say oops, upside your head. I mean, not only do I know it, but anytime a kid would slap another kid on the back of the head, they almost always responded with, oops, upside your head. So, yeah. I mean, what happens if you put them together? Does it sound like this? So clearly Say there's a what? connection. There's a connection. There's a connection there. I mean, think? man, I just interpolated the Gap Band <laughs> in what I was saying. But I mean, like, yes, this is obvious. I mean, like, look, there are some big similarities uh, in that chorus between Uptown Funk and the Gap Band's Oops Upside Your Head. By the way, just, you know, for extra credit, what do you think about this? So, first off, fantastic chorus, sequence, Forgotten Sugar Hill Records Group. And also, a lot of people don't realize this, Angie Stone. It's Angie Stone. It's Angie B mm-hmm. in sequence. Yeah. So shout out to Angie. And, and what if we were to play them all together just for the hell of it, because I do it on TikTok <laughs> all the time. Just a little interpolation cacophony, <laughs> if you will. Interpapalooza. Interpapalooza on one song. <laughs> so when they were done with the track, they actually went directly to Trinidad James's label and right. said, look, we know... Because nothing goes down in the music business unless Trinidad signs off on it. That's right. So they knew they had... that. Was, that's, that's in the rule book. When you enter the Los yeah, Angeles city limits, they yep. hand you the rule book. And that's yep. chapter one, page one. So Trinidad James, right off the bat, they gave them 15% writing credit. 
Um, they were like, clearly this is your hook. There's yeah. no question about it. Or it's If anything, right. you know, this is the chorus, as we've just determined, yep. 15% of the songwriting credit. The Gap Band thing that we played earlier, that Oops Upside Your Head, yeah. That was a little too close for comfort right. for the Gap Band when they heard it because they, so they, they didn't sued. they didn't get that knock on the door. They had to knock on the door. <laughs> and so they sued. They were added to the writing credits to the tune of, um, I think, 17%, oh, wow. which meant that when you take it all together, 15, you know, take 100% of a pie. They took that out of Mark and Bruno's, right? That's right. They took yeah. it out of Mark and Bruno's. So each of the four original songwriters get 17% mm-hmm. and the Gap Band gets 17% and then Trinidad James gets 15 So that pie right. got split up yeah. with all these pieces. Some of the other things never quite either made it to court or were settled. We don't have all the publicly available information, mm-hmm. um, but we do know what we know about Trinidad James. Those are official now yeah. uh, IP owners of the songwriter. Right. Uh, so moving forward, they will be paid royalties. But wasn't there like a Morris Day element to all this? So, you know, I hear, I think a lot of people hear there's a little bit of jungle love in that kind of vibrato synth. What's going on in Uptown Funk is you have that synth in the chorus, da 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 da, da and it's kind of got a wobble to it, and mm. that's called vibrato, where the okay. where the pitch kind of shifts a little bit, just a, like a little wavy, wavy, wavering thing. And to my ears, especially because it sounds like the same synth that Prince would have used when he wrote Jungle Love, because <laughs> as everyone knows, the time is really Prince with with Morrissey on top of it. The music was really composed by Prince, and I'm hearing a lot of that same synth, actually the synth sound, and then that vibrato on top. But Apparently, Morris Day heard it, heard what we hear, which is like, yeah, I'm kind of hearing a little jungle love too, but you know what? I'm not, that's fine. Go for yeah, it. Morris Day, I by feel the way, loved. I've worked with Morris Day. He's one of the coolest dudes out there. And you know what? If Morris Day ain't tripping, then, you know. And that, that and that's that's how it should be. But that was that line I was talking about. So yeah. Morris Day is on this side of the line. He's like, I feel loved. I feel like you're paying tribute to me, some yeah. homage to the Minneapolis sound. But it's not, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to take you to court over it. The Gap Band had different feelings. But to be fair, that line was maybe crossed. It's a little bit more explicit. How, what was taken or what was borrowed or what was interpolated. I will say, I've heard from multiple people that Morris Day and the time, you know, they toured all all year. To see them perform live was like so good. And I, I, I would actually recommend oh, to any listeners of one song. Go on YouTube. There is footage of them performing like, you know, Hollywood Bowl, 1984 and stuff like that. Like you see a tight crew. Like they are so tight. Like just from a performance. I feel like Bruno Mars is that now. Like when I, I took my wife to a Bruno Mars concert. And I will tell you, the man sounds better live than he even does wow. on, his, on his album. That's like, amazing. It's, it's insane. Yeah. So, you know, shout out to those people who tour all year. And when you finally see him live, you're like, oh man, this is not Lil Pump. This is <laughs> an amazing live show. Yeah, what people don't know about Morris Day is that he's a sick people, drummer. No, that's about Lil Pump. He's a sick drummer too. Yes, Morris started on drums. Oh man, see, dr- Peter Gabriel, am I right? <laughs> What's that? Peter oh, oh uh, you're talking no, about... No, 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 I'm thinking of Phil Collins. Phil Collins, Phil Collins yeah, 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 yeah. Drummers make great musicians, guys. We don't always have to sit behind everybody right, else. Right, right. So basically, it was interpolation that got everybody sued. And just a little reminder, interpolation, or interpolation, if you prefer... Um, is when you use somebody else's melody. It's not the recording, that's a sample, it's just a reuse of melody, Mm. which is clearly what happened with the Gap Band. Absolutely. We're talking a lot about interpolation, and I will say that sometimes I think we give names to things that have been out there for really long. Like, to me, when I think about hip-hop, even going back to Sugar Hill Gang, yes, that's probably an early example of sampling, but it's also an early 
version of interpolation. No, it's right? re- they were replaying. It's a house. They're band. replaying it, was replaying. it. exactly. Hundred percent. And I think about like even just how rappers will constantly. Uh, you could call it paying homage, or you could talk. You could call it. Uh, you know, biting is right. sort of a '90s term, but like they're always using each other's lyrics. Like I remember the first time I heard YG's uh, "Who Do You Love," and the Drake verse on there was very clearly to me as like a hip hop man. I was like, "Oh shoot, he's using rap, rapping Forte's whole verse from uh, right. Players Players Club," you know, um, and I and I appreciated it for that. But I just found out because I was I was going to use that as an example of saying like you know rappers are always interpolating each other and nobody right. cares. Well, apparently Rap and Forte do care because oh, that example he heard he that care. verse <laughs> and I guess no one had ever reached out to him. Oh no! And he tweeted out like, "Oh, so Drake just go take my whole verse and just change the lyrics." Um, it turns out that like Drake's camp heard that, and I think it's public knowledge. I, I was able to find it on the web pretty good. It was. Um, they paid him $100,000. Oh, damn. You know, okay. To, All right. To, to do that. Now, I will say that that actually surprised me just because I assumed that rappers were always in the habit of interpolating each other's lyrics. The whole first verse of uh, I Just Want to Love You, parentheses, give it to me. Mm-hmm. When the Remy's in the system, ain't no telling when I'm going when I diss them. That's what they be yelling. I'm a pimp by blood, not relation. Y'all be chasing. I'll be placed dumb, huh? is uh, Jay-Z essentially doing Biggie's verse from The World is Filled. Okay. His whole, you know, when the Remy's in the system, ain't no telling what I... When the Remy's in the system, ain't no telling when I fuck him, will I diss him? That's what these hoes yelling. I'm a pimp by blood, not relation. Y'all still chase on, I'll replace on. Like, that's all It's a reference. I mean, that's the thing where it's it's a line. It's It's a reference. But but it's, like, even further than just, like, a word here, a word there. Like, he keeps coming back to the the Biggie verse throughout his verse. And, by the way, even as I'm talking right now, holy smack, the name of the song is I Just Want to Love You, Give It to Me. If I'm not wrong, that's Rick James. Give it to Rick me, James is, yeah. give it to me. I just want to love you. Like, oh, I right. wonder if at some oh, point, yeah, yeah, yeah. did Pharrell try to, like, because that was like when Dave Chappelle, I want to say, like, everybody was rediscovering Rick James in the early 2000s. It makes me wonder if Pharrell had tried to, like, sample that song or, like, use that song. Yeah, it might have been left over from that. From oh, that my effort, gosh. Yeah. Even the part with uh, your boy who's like, <laughs> Give me that funk, that sweet, that funky stuff. Wow. Okay, revelations are happening on mic. Epiphanies are happening on mic. That sweet, that that funky stuff. See, I love all this stuff because it's a reference. That is Interpapalooza. It's Interpapalooza, but I also want to make a distinction between interpolation as like a copyright protection kind Mm. of situation where there's legal ramifications and IP is being, you know, shared and on the other, it's a spectrum. There's not a clear, obvious no, demarcation because uh, many things that you just mentioned to me would just sort of fall into the area of reference or homage. It's meant to be understood that Jay-Z is making a reference to Nas. To an homage. He's making an or, homage to Biggie. Or Biggie yeah. in that case, or I'm thinking like the Nas verse, and, or there's like the time when he uses fame in that. So like oh, there's yeah, like- the, the takeover. He actually had to pay for that, but the point is, is he like really? he did. Yeah. Even though it's just one word and it's a replay, he had to pay. Oh my God. See, it's just crazy. But me. that's crazy to them too. They didn't think they'd have to pay for it because it was a reference. But they were like, "No, it crossed the line into over here where it's actually interpolation. You got to pay for it." Wow, that is yeah. that is bananas to me. Yeah. I just I would never think of that. I would never think that you would have to pay just for. I mean, Lame. I go back to BDP. Yeah. I go back to BDP 
like you know he 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 uses a part that's like an Elton John song in one part of the bridge is over and I can guarantee you nobody at Boogie Down Productions was like hello you know Sir Elton we yeah. need we need to well, it was late first. 80s it was wild west with how that it kind was, of stuff it was, was clear it was the wild west for the, sure right the beauty of it though and I totally agree with you is like interpolation and reference what I love is where it's in the realm of a conversation culturally where yeah. it's meant for you the listener to be like oh he's talking about this other exactly. thing that I know yeah. so you're kind of inside the head of the artist kind of like there's a conversation there's a connection you have yeah. And that brings me back to the idea of, of Bruno himself. When you really think about his career and where he started, he literally started as a as an MJ impersonator, right? <laughs> yeah. Michael Jackson impersonator. Well, I, I think it was MJ and James Brown, apparently. Right. So his whole career, if you think of him less as like, say, on the like far end of the spectrum of like the introspective artist who's trying to change the world, like he's an entertainer. Yeah. And what he's doing is he's using reference points and literally the makeup and hair of a known thing. Michael Jackson to get attention to be mm -hmm. seen and sort of that's the beginning of his career is like entertaining people using pre-existing known in in this case face and hair and, and clothes <laughs> right so there's a parallel there's kind of a through line from that as the beginning of his career to like writing songs with influence and inspiration coming from you know whether it's a police song on the earlier stuff yeah in this case it's all the sort of references the James Brown Gap Band late 70s era funk um it's to him, just a natural way of creating. And just to be clear, like that is not shade on Bruno Mars. I think that Bruno Mars, is, he's obviously clearly a songwriter mm. as well as an entertainer. All this to say, like, I think Bruno across the board, he's such a great entertainer and he's such a great master of references. Uh -oh. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he might just be the world's greatest living interpolator. Boom. Boom. Hot take. Boom. There you have it, There folks. it is. Mic drop. No, I, I mean, like, look, I, I say hot take, but I think that's a very fair take. I think both Mark and Bruno have a lot of respect for the craft and the people who went before. Totally. And I think to be clear, to me, it's interpolation. There's this area where you might be thinking, oh, they're just too lazy to write their own material. But that's not what this that's is. This is referential. Yeah. This is love and homage and paying reference. It's both referential and reverential. And paying fellow songwriters. Well, that, that that's sometimes an unfortunate outcome when it crosses into that other zone. But to me, the intent is what matters as much as the outcome. I'm not trying to say that all that matters is the intent. We weren't trying to rip you off. <laughs> but the fact is, and I think what's really interesting to think about is how Beyonce on Renaissance Renaissance really does an amazing job of of kind of balancing those two yeah. things out. That like, album, that is, album is, is thick with love and reference and reverence for what came before. That is a love letter to house music. It's a love letter to black music. It's a love letter to black dance music. And what she's done with her like pages and pages filled with credits that are on the album is not only has she used sort of tropes of the genre, like I was saying with the guitar parts that nobody really owns, there's a lot on that album to me, in my opinion, I did a video about this. I think that Break My Soul is a very different song from Show Me Love, because if you break it down to melodies and chords, they're not the same. It's just literally the sound of the synthesizer patch that was used. <laughs> so when you break it down, there's nothing, I think their lawyers might, might even agree. Like, yeah, the lawyers and, and the artists still might a conversation. Like, let's get out a little bit ahead of this. It's very possible that that's yeah. what it was, but it also may have been, you know what, let's give Robin S. some flowers. Let's give mm. this song some attention. Let's give it some love. Let's give it some credit. So to me, what I love about the album is she did that on every song. She's got what are very clear references and homages, Tina Marie, whatever it is, Khalees. And her effort was to say, 
I want everyone to share in the glory, to share in the spotlight, yeah. and to share, in some cases, in the payment. <laughs> in, in the in, booty. In the booty, yeah. if you will. You, in the pirate sense, you guys. Yeah, the pirate sense of booty, not the other sense of booty. <laughs> Diallo, dude, it was so fun talking about Uptown Funk with you today. Absolutely, man. And it was actually more fun just talking about interpolation with you. Interpolation. I'm going to start whispering it when I say it. Please do. <laughs> Okay, well, that's all the time we have today. Thanks again for listening. I am producer, DJ, and songwriter Luxury. And I am actor, writer, sometimes director, and sometimes DJ, Diallo Riddle. And this This is is One one song. Song. I'm Issa Nakazawa. Join me on Stars and Stars with Issa where I welcome today's stars to find out what their birth chart reveals about them. I'm laughing because I'm like, (laughs) these are two big topics in my life. It's crazy because I feel all those ways at once. Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.